Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right. Let's roll with this thing, man. Happy Sunday, everybody. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Very exciting show today. We're going over the next hour of the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. And it is McGregor week. The Mac is back. He is making his octagon return in six days' time. He will be taking on Khabib Namagamadov for the undisputed lightweight championship of the world. But that was only stripped from him. Never lost. Very excited for this fight. People have been waiting for this matchup for a while. And it feels like 155 is finally going to have some order to it because it has been chaotic. Now, I say this with the caveat of knowing that Khabib has had trouble making weight before, that we've had a, what has seemed to be a bit of a cursed year in the UFC. So I'm fully prepared for all things to go wrong this week. But I'm also trying to bask in the anticipation and the enjoyment of the event in knowing that even though things could go awry, somebody could get injured, some some that could be most of all what I'm worried about is that damn weigh-in on Friday. There could be some weight issues, some weight cutting issues, things like that. I'm trying not to get that let to to let that fog anything. I'm trying not to let all the past things that have ruined these past events creep into my mind. But it's it's hard not to think of those things. However, should we get to Saturday night and we get to this matchup, holy hell! I mean, what a matchup we have. We have two guys here in Khabib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor who have just absolute style clashes, personality clashes. They don't like each other anymore. Um, and, and and there's a lot on the line. Like, this is kind of the ultimate fruition of of guy who has put up the unbelievable record, the guy who has put it over the long haul, the guy who has dealt with a lot of injuries. You know, Khabib is a guy who people have thought is going to burst on the scene for years and really rise to the top, but he's had a lot of injury issues. We've mentioned the weight-cutting issues and has had a lot of things by his own problems stand in that way. Whereas Conor McGregor, in the meantime, has had a rocket to his back, has taken over featherweight, took over lightweight, went into boxing, had one of the biggest boxing matches of all time, and and now and now he, he returns for this matchup. And the thing that's great about it is we look at this and we say, well, man, both of these both of these guys if they're going to have success they're going to have to risk some things they're going to have to be in uncomfortable areas you would think um but the reason i look at this when it comes to connor matchups and I, and i think back to a lot of these upcoming fight or these past fights that he's had and you think about well what have been the things that we've been talking about going into these bouts and for the most part since the time he fought, even Chad Mendez, a lot of guys have looked at the matchups and said that's a terrible matchup for Connor, and here's why he's going to lose. 
really outside of the Nate Diaz fight where everybody thought he was going to clean Nate's clock because, you know, Nate is not a guy with an outstanding record. He's not a guy with this championship pedigree. And people thought, and that was a late replacement, and people thought that was going to be an easy fight for him. And it wasn't. That was the, that turned out to be, you know, his his lone UFC loss. So I I look at this fight with Khabib, and I feel like we're falling into a lot of the same traps with Connor, where people are saying, ah, well, Connor can't wrestle, Connor can't grapple. You know, once Khabib gets to where he wants to be, it's over from there. There's a couple of things with Khabib, though. You know, when we look at what the resume is with him, and we look about 26-0, it should stand on its own, it should be very impressive, and it is very impressive. But we have to look at the way he goes about winning fights. And the idea that he's going to go in here and, and maul Conor McGregor and destroy Conor McGregor, it's, it's, it's a hard time picturing that. Like, we haven't seen that situation with Conor McGregor in a fight. Like, even the Nate Diaz fight. And you go back and you look at the loss to it. It's not like Conor McGregor was getting pummeled for a long amount of time. And, in fact, the whole fight was tilting his direction until the gas tank just ran out. And then it was basically a one-two on the canvas. And, you know, Nate, you know, he gave up the neck to Nate. I, I look at this fight with, with Khabib. And the really the only thing we got to look for with Conor, and it is, it is a chronic problem. And it is something that can't be ignored is that gas tank. What is that gas tank going to be like for McGregor? Because we know he trains hard. We know that he works his butt off. But for whatever reason, there is always a moment in a McGregor fight, we've now seen it in boxing and mixed martial arts, where he is a huffing and a puffing, and it doesn't seem like he can give the output anymore that he has given in rounds one and two. And so when you look at this matchup, you could go with the old, look, if this fight is early, it ain't going to be Khabib ending it early. It's going to be Conor McGregor getting him, coming forward, and countering him. And that's another part where you probably look at this and say, that is how Khabib is going to have to get to him. It's not like there's going to be some fancy move. Khabib walks across the cage, really has his hands his hands down. His defense isn't great. Chin up. So there is going to be a red target out there for Conor McGregor to hit as a guy's coming towards him to try and get that leg to get him down. But Early on, how much the question with Connor is going to be if Khabib does get that leg, if Khabib is able to trip him, if Khabib is able to take him down, what is the gas tank going to be like for Connor wearing Khabib on top of him? Because Khabib could put you in some real awkward positions, <laughs> he could tie you up, he could put you in these spots where you can't really return fire on him, and what is the damage going to be if the horn sounds at the end of round one? What's he going to be like for round two? If the if this happens in round two, what's it going to be like in round three? And once we get to a certain point, is Khabib going to be able to put enough damage on Connor where he's not returning fire at all? Or is Connor just going to basically be able to fend off Khabib and it's just going to be a case of the waiting game where he's doing enough to keep the ref off him and not to break them up, but also is he going to be able to avoid those mistakes from Connor time and time again because we've seen with Connor it doesn't take much if you go back to the Chad Mendez fight which is probably if you were to look at how this fight would go probably the most similar matchup as far as what Connor would be in for matchup wise you know 
it's a little bit different of a style because, you know, Chad is just basically going to go double leg, take you down, and be on top of you. But Connor was able to return fire. The strikes on top weren't as great, and I know that Chad was on a on a short camp for that fight, but Connor was also on one leg. So let's let's call it a wash, and let's just look at the matchup for what it is. The other thing you have to look for in that fight is naturally Connor was the bigger guy. Um, could be uh, Chad Mendes at that point. It was a 145-pound fight. This was in Connor's featherweight days. And so you look at Khabib, you look at Connor, we saw the standoff. You know, Khabib looks like size-wise, it's pretty equal. He's not actually in the better shape, but he's still he's still thick as a board. He is a he is a massive man, especially when he gets on top of you. And so when that becomes a problem for Connor, um, how is he going to be when he gets back up? So those are the concerns if you're a McGregor fan, you're looking into this fight. Like how how that gas tank. Every single fight, it is an issue. If he doesn't blast through a guy quickly, which he's done in a lot of his fights, but if he doesn't blast through a guy quickly, the gas tank becomes an issue. It wasn't the first Nate Diaz fight. It wasn't the second Nate Diaz fight. It wasn't the Floyd Mayweather fight, quite frankly. So if he's not able to end it quickly, like he did against Jose Aldo, like he did against Eddie Alvarez, like he did against Chad Mendez, when does that huffing and a puffing start? When does that gas tank become an issue for Conor McGregor? Now, here's the question when it comes to Khabib. Okay, Khabib, what kind of level of striker has he fought? Who are the strikers that he's fought when it comes to his UFC career? Okay, if we were to look at the best strikers he's probably fought, you'd probably go with Rafael Dos Anjos, although he's gotten way better since they have fought and won a championship in the midst, and that fight was in 2014, so I don't know how much you want to put stock into it. We go to the Michael Johnson fight. The last three guys he fought, you could say they their big strength is striking. They're different kind of strikers, but Michael Johnson, who is kind of, he's looked upon as the guy who has cracked Khabib the best. Early on in that fight, Khabib coming off a big layoff, was trying to make a big statement. He's come inside, and Michael Johnson cracked him early. Khabib was able to handle it. And... If we were to measure Michael Johns versus Conor McGregor, that's a hard measure to say. Who's got more power? If we were to look back in their fights, who's got more vicious knockouts? You'd go Conor. But Michael's, Michael Johnson's got some vicious ones in his mind, like d- knocking out Dustin Poirier. His knockout of Dustin Poirier was even more vicious than Conor's. But also with Michael Johnson, you know, he's had a, he's been a basically over the last three years, he's two and five. So... He's not the quality of opponent that Conor McGregor is. He hasn't been to the heights of Conor McGregor. He hasn't had the stage on him like Conor McGregor has. And I would say he's probably not as versatile a striker as Conor McGregor is. So, Khabib was able to walk through a big, big shot in that fight and and beat the brakes off of Michael Johns basically the rest of the way until they were able to get him. he was able to get him in a Kimura. The Edson Barboza fight. The Edson Barboza fight's interesting because... Edson, his main weapons are kicks. Like, that's how he dishes everything out. Connors, when the kicks come into fruition, they are they are setups. They are range finders. They are setting up the monster left hand. So it is gonna be interesting if he's able to if he's willing to throw that kick out there at risk that, that Khabib's gonna trip you and take you down and do do work on you. With Edson, it's it's hard to imagine him winning a fight without that, without putting that money in the bank, without really damaging his opponent. So that's something that has to be 
looked upon. And then the last fight against Ally Quinta. The Ally Quinta fight, he dominated. I think he, he, you know, he even had two 10-8s in that fight. There was a point in the third round where he's just standing up, basically goofing around, just practicing his jab. Um, and Al looked like he was coming on a little bit towards the end of the fight. But again, Edson Barbosa, Ally Quinta, Michael Johnson, fine fighters, really good fighters. They're not championship level, and they haven't been to the heights of Conor McGregor. So if we're to look at this and say this is Khabib's best opponent, bar none, by far, all respect to those those three individuals. All respect to Rafael dos Anjos. Connor's been to greater heights. He's faced better competition. He's had the bright lights on him. He's had more pressure on him than any other fighter. And he's definitely the most devastating knockout artist that Khabib has ever faced. We're talking about one punch or two punch knockout power to really put a guy on the canvas. Like even in the Diaz fights, he was putting Diaz on the canvas. The guy has lightning in that glove in that left glove he is devastating and Khabib striking is not great and it is not it is a it is hard to imagine going into this fight and thinking that there's not going to be a moment that Connor's going to have to put something on Khabib you know to think that a Michael Johnson can get to him or that an ally Quinta can get some pushback on him and I think Connor's not going to have a moment in that fight is is a no sell for me so i just look at it this way with this fight khabib is coming into this he's going to try and wear connor down is he going to be able to maul him to the fact where he's gonna be able to stop this fight i just don't see it i don't see it it's not really khabib style it's more so khabib's more in the in the in the realm of when he's fighting upper tier guys doesn't really stop him it's 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 mauling him and he'll maybe get some 10 eights in there and you know maybe he'll keep you in a position and be uncomfortable but here's the other thing that you have to keep in mind you're going to be in a very hostile environment there's gonna be a lot of irish fans there herb dean's going to be the referee so you have a seasoned vet there as far as a ref is concerned but what is it going to be like if khabib is not being active enough if he's not doing enough if he's trying to set things up if he is if he just has Connor in an awkward position, but he's not outputting enough, will Herb feel pressure to stand them up? If he does stand them up, will the opportunity come there again for Connor McGregor to strike then again? So I just look at this fight and I don't find that Connor's going to be in a lot of dangerous spots. He might be in awkward spots, uncomfortable spots. The thing you have to worry about with Connor and, and it comes to him getting stopped in this fight is will he have the cardio to get through the fight? He's been through a five round fight before. He has gone to the judges in a five-round fight before, but it was dicey. It was dicey in that Nate Diaz fight when he was able to go the distance, when it was at 170, when he was taking on a guy who already had beaten him. Put that output again. He was able to he was able to 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 strike with Nate Diaz, and he was able to dig down when it looked like it was going to go awry again. But even with that being the case, it still was not great as that fight went on the wear and tear got to him the, the the gas tank went down and he wasn't the same guy with the Floyd Mayweather fight and I know it seems silly to go to that even in that fight you look for the first four rounds when we're talking 12 minutes time 15 minutes time it's looking okay it was ugly fight ugly scrap 
you know, Floyd was definitely outboxing him. Once that fight got to like round five, then it was then it was go time for Floyd. But look, the only reason that Floyd got a TKO in that fight is because Connor was so damn tired he couldn't lift his arms anymore. So gas tank is an issue for him. But the other the benefit that he has, the real plus that he has is his margin for error is a lot greater in a fight because he could swing it so fast. That Chad Mendes fight, not really going his way. Not great. He had, he had him on top of him. He really wasn't putting a lot of damage on him, but boom, did it, it, did, did it, did it swing very fast. And in these counter fights, they could swing very fast. Eddie Alvarez, one of the, the toughest guys, mixed martial arts Hall of Famer, only Bellator and UFC champion. And this guy was railroaded by Conor the last time he was in the octagon. And he had a lot of the wrestling skill set, better striking than Khabib, not even close, and dusted him. You know, the Jose Aldo fight, it had big lead up. It had, the Jose Aldo fight probably had the most pressure for Conor McGregor than any other fight in his UFC career. And it was the most electrifying ending to any fight that he's had in his career. So the guy rises to the occasion. And so, ultimately, it comes down to this. I feel like I got a lot of more intel on Conor McGregor. I feel like he's been to the heights. This doesn't necessarily mean that, that Khabib can't. But when making this decision, I can't weigh Khabib's record 26-0. Doesn't mean a lot to me compared to Conor's record. And the other thing is, if I'm looking for a fight and who's going to have the path to finishing it, I think it's Connor over Khabib. I just can't imagine Khabib mulling him to the fact where a referee is going to pull Khabib off to, off of him. And the other standpoint is, man, the only thing I really look at this and say, well, if, if you're telling me I get two prime Connor McGregor rounds, I feel like that's enough of a window to beat a guy who has just as poor striking as Khabib does. And so the way I look at it is this. I feel like Khabib's going to have his moment in the first round where he gets on top of Conor McGregor. Maybe it's a kick that Conor throws. Maybe he just walks across the cage, trips him, and puts him down. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical of the damage he's going to put back. I feel like Conor makes the adjustment, and I feel like he ends it in round two. That's the way I see it going. So very, very excited for the rest of this week and, uh, and the lead-up to this thing. Man, I hope that we get through the weigh-in okay and everything goes fine. But... We'll see. This is I, I don't like to hold my breath for this stuff. We'll get into the rest of this UFC 229 card. There's some other outstanding matchups uh, along the way. We had some Bellator last night and a lot of news coming out this week. A lot of crazy stuff happening in both sides, mixed martial arts and boxing. We'll get to that on the other side after this. Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back, Fighters Fury here on the ticket. Very excited. We are joined in studio. Seamus here. Uh-oh. What's going on, man? Good morning. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. It's good to see you. It's good to have you back. Always good to see you. Um, I, am, I am back. Yeah, we were just talking in the break a little bit about, because we had a text to write in about giving our thoughts on HBO and unboxing. Um, and I will say this. I'm not surprised by it because they haven't been having a lot of fights. Like, if you just, if you, I think if you listen to this show too, you probably notice, just like, man, HBO, 
doesn't feel like I watch HBO very much. Uh, most of the premium fights that are on premium cable have been on Showtime, and HBO's big guys are Canelo and Triple G, and they fight on pay-per-view. So it's been very, very few and far between when it comes to HBO. And so I wasn't surprised that the decision came. But I will say, um, the decision of them leaving and all these platforms that are having boxing now, it did kind of make... Last night watching Bellator, and I know it's it's Mark's Martial Arts, but the point of it being, it kind of made me pine for, man, this, this streaming thing is not always great. I know some of them are good. Like ESPN Plus is, is, is great. I had no problems watching that when I was watching like Manny Pacquiao, but this DAZN, Seema, I've watched this last two weeks with the Anthony Joshua fight and the Bellator last night. It's a pain in the ass. And it's not just like it's not just the streaming because I stream stuff all the time on when it comes to sports. But they just have a lot of glitches. Like they were in the midst of the fight card last night. I was waiting for the main card and it kicked me back to the start of the prelims. I didn't even know. How dare they? I was like, "What, what is this? What I was like, when is there We're six fights in. Where the hell's Pico? I want to I want to watch Arab Pico and 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 get to the uh, the the main events and all that stuff and it was like without warning. It just bloop back. Like a, like, a, like, a, like it was Marty McFly. Crazy, man. So the zone's got some issues to work out, but I'm not surprised that HBO's gone. Sucks. They're obviously a staple of the sport. Um, you, I think we, when you make HBO, I think it's a big deal for a fighter. Like the, the, It's kind of like a, a landmark for him. Um, so it being gone, yeah, I think it's going to be missed. But the the one thing I will say for if you're a fight fan is, don't just have HBO for the sake of having HBO. You you could tell the investment wasn't there. They don't put the stock into the even for Triple G and Canelo. Like they give you one twenty four seven or one preview fight. That's not really your go to spot anymore if you're a boxing fan. It's just kind of it's it's just known. It's so big in brand. And people say, "Whoa, HBO is gone." What does that mean for boxing? And it means is boxing is going to be in a lot of different places, and they need to do it as well as HBO used to do it. That's what I think. Now, when they did away with HBO, has there been clarification there'll be no HBO pay-per-view boxing as well? I would they're, assume. Yeah, Anything. they're done. I think, and the big, so no the, Canelo triple, triple G rematch. Well, the big thing was this came out actually fight week was that was the last fight on the contracts of Canelo and Triple G, which mm-hmm. kind of makes sense with the timing of it. They don't have those guys to invest in anymore. Then it's it's time to cut cut bait and let's uh, let's roll something else. So no, they're both free agents to go. So I suppose we could if they both end up in the same place. Uh, I just, you know, probably a little faith that they will. Right. The interesting thing will be with Oscar because Showtime work with anybody. Well, yeah, Showtime's big relationships with Al Heyman. Him and Oscar aren't great. So does he go to top, like Oscar and Top Rank have been He'd better? Go back with Bob. Probably. And You're probably be right. on e- so the rematch will be on ESPN Plus. Yeah. So everybody download your app. Download your app. See, I'm not. I'm You're... not a big fan of the the app crap. You're frustrated by it. I'm not really frustrated by it. I just don't won't watch it. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't I just you? I just won't. I I'm I'm of the mindset, and maybe it's somewhat old school, that my device is my device. I'm answering emails. I'm responding to people. It's kind of like a business based or family gotcha. based device. And I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not that affixed to it, where I want to watch my receive my my content on that as well. I gotcha. So and I understand the smart TV. I I just think that forcing people to watch their 
their sporting events on a device is um kind of like the man you know what i mean it's it's like forcing forcing you to give them it's subscription based it's you know if i want to watch something i'll watch something i'll pay for it incrementally and and that's that i don't don't make me some part part of some database just so you can build con- build content and value to your company for having all these people that are subscribing. The, where HBO boxing came from is somewhat that that mindset. But many many years ago when when you would get your cable package, HBO and Showtime and Stars weren't a part of it. Right. You know, it kind of you had to add those on. And they utilized the boxing platform to create that demand for the add-on, which then through subscriptions to the network, HBO made revenue. Well, now that model has changed because the Xfinities and DirecTVs of the world, they pay that fee to be able to incorporate and create value to their own cable packages that they offer consumers. Yeah, absolutely. So now with, with that model somewhat discombobulated, now we have the, the new era and, and the way to create value and it's all through it's all database and people are thinking you know drive use technology use technology applications yeah and the idea is that live sports is the one thing where you're going to drive people to go see it but the thing is when it's not as easy as putting it in your television or just going to you know 501 or 545 or anything like that you know, you have to maybe set up, maybe you have to go log in or you have to then go sign up if you haven't had the, if you haven't had the zone, but you're a fan of Anthony Joshua, you've heard of Anthony Joshua. It does add an extra step. It does add something else that you have to put in for, for that kind of stuff. And so I do wonder, will the success be as great? I know that is the wave of the future and that ha- is how things go. You know, people have Netflix, people have Hulu, people have Amazon Prime, and that's all on their TVs. But when you're talking about sports, um is it is it going to be a thing where we were already it already felt like we were divided because of HBO Showtime and ESPN now you're talking about now it's H now it's The Zone ESPN Plus Showtime kind of and other stuff you know so i just wonder will it will it will you know will will the payoff be there for the sport it's glad it's good to see the investments there early um but is it going to pan out? I, I'm still worried. I'm still wondering about that because it felt like there was a lot of backlash to HBO announcing that this that they're done with boxing. There was such a thing called beta testing once upon a time. Now it seems like we become the beta testers and we pay for it. You know, we give them, we pay the subscription and, and we test the device and they continue to, or the application and they continue to build it. I'm, I'm a big fan that give consumers options so I should be able to go on 509 or 723 or whatever my channel is for the zone, mm-hmm. watch it. And if I'm not in front of my TV or I'm not in my home, then I have the option of looking at it on my device. Yeah. I think that's a better approach. Even if I have to pay for it, I'm, I'm more inclined to engage that way rather than you, you're forcing me to, to go to the app and and watch you on my phone or like you do you watch it on your laptop plug or watch it on your device plug it into your laptop so you can watch it at a larger on a larger screen yep i just i just think that that's a step backwards in consuming content the other thing that you got to wonder is like they 
it's not apples to apples, but they kind of tried getting bigger investments when they put Premier Boxing Champions on big networks like CBS, mm-hmm. NBC. That kind of flamed out. And we're talking about powerhouses like CBS and NBC. And I know that that is not exactly how everybody consumes media these days, but it feels like your margin for error should have been a lot smaller there because people are going to tune into it because everybody has it. Um, and so you have all these big investments going into combat sports, which is great, but are people going to be willing to just, dr- uh, is it going to be enough to drive everybody there? Or are they just going to forget about it? Cause they're just like the zone. What's that? The zone. It doesn't even sound like a legitimate channel. Well, it didn't act like a legitimate channel last night. Well, there I'm you telling go. You, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. It's like check cola. As a, as a zone subscriber for two weeks, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I like the content that they have and the guy, the platform's doing the broadcasting. Bellator and Sky Sports and all the broadcasts, they're fine. They're doing a good job. The The output of the, of the fights has not been great. It sucked. And terrible. You're quite passionate about that. Very annoying. I can see it on your face. Very annoying. All right, let's get, when we come back, we'll get into a little bit uh, uh, more McGregor versus Khabib and UFC 229 after this. It's Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Toby Nassima here with you as Fighters Fury rolls on. So we got UFC 229 coming up, Sima. Uh, talks a little bit about it in the yeah, first man. segment. Khabib versus Connor. Khabib is defending his championship against Connor, which Connor was stripped of because he was boxing. Um, so let me get your thoughts, man. What do you th- what do you think? How do you think this one breaks down? I have uh I have Connor. I have Connor. I think Connor's gonna stop him in the second round. Um I understand why Khabib's good. I understand why he has the record he does, but this is a different. To me, this is a different stage. This is a different stage, and and a, and a whole different ball of wax. But what do you think with uh, the Conor Khabib matchup? I, I think I'm in agreement with you. I think that second round, Conor kind of pours it on. Not that he necessarily needs it, because we've seen that he possesses one punch knockout power. But I think it takes a little more to put Khabib out. Yeah. Then one punch, I think it's going to be an accumulation. And if Connor can keep him standing, what's going to dictate the entire fight is the first three minutes of the first round. When Connor steps in the cage, Habib steps in the cage, how much cage rust does Connor have from being out for what, two years? Yep. How much cage rust does he have? How much time does he need to really? shake it off and realize that he's in a fight. And with that being said, how much has he worked on takedown defense? Not from a wrestler, but from a guy like Habib, not a guy that's necessarily going to shoot in on him, but a guy that's going to try to get in close on him and drag him down or trip him or, you know, hang on him like a spider monkey. How does he respond to that? Because I believe if he can keep the fight standing, it might even be finishing the first round. Yeah. So well, if it, he it, can kind of push Habib off and keep him standing up and land a couple big shots, I think we have a, a first-round knockout. It's just one of those weird things where, you know, when we've seen Conor fight guys, I've, I've you always have to be wary of what the return fire is going to be from those guys. It felt like with Eddie, you know, Eddie has been in there with some – has been in some of the most hellacious MMA wars of all time. Yep. You knew that he was battle-tested. And he always he, comes back. <laughs> oh, and he he diced through him like you know it was so. I went back and watched that fight not too long ago, and I was just 
It's like, man, nobody done that. Who does that to Eddie Alvarez? Who, you know, it, it, it's just he he went through him like it was nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, what he did to Jose Aldo, you know, you know, Dustin. Look what Dustin Poirier is doing. Dustin Poirier, if he was in any other weight class, three title shots probably at this point with an eight and one record over three years. Um, he demolished him. It's 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 crazy to think about the kind of uh, of destruction he's put on world class guys. And I just look at Khabib's resume, and I'm just I'm not as impressed. I don't look at that 26 and 0. It looks good on a poster. It looks cool on your Wikipedia page, but if you really break it down, you're just like, all right. But what what are what are the tests that you could say this is as good a win as McGregor has had? I I mean, we could look at the Dos Anjos fight if you want. It was five years ago. wasn't a championship. It wasn't with you know. Rafael Dos Anjos with Jason Perillo. It wasn't championship-level Rafael Dos Anjos. Uh, I just... That one kind of goes by the way. Edson Barbosa is a, a very, very good fighter. Um, but, you know, you look at that and say, like kind of tailor-made for him. A guy who is nothing but kicks with a guy who, who's going to grab your leg and put you on the ground. I don't know. I just Maybe it's me just dismissing too much of it, but I just... I'm not as... Impressed. I, I see what the skill set is, and I respect it. Um, the one thing you could just say with him is, can he tire McGregor out? And he definitely has that skill set. If he can get McGregor down round after round after round, which he's capable of doing, can he just wear McGregor out and just get a decision that way or maybe even stop it maybe in the fifth round if he's just really putting the destruction on him? But, man, that the the work for me that he has to put in to get a win over Connor, as opposed to what Connor can do in just a short period of time, it just it, it seems like a much better blueprint for McGregor to get this win. I agree. All valid points. All great points. Uh, and and obviously next Sunday when we sit here in the morning, we'll we'll know yeah. and we'll be able to talk about it. But I think in leading up to the fight and just understanding the paths that both of them took. I think that even the boxing experience that Connor has, while he was not victorious, his striking is on a on a different level than any of the other guys in mixed martial arts. Mm -hmm. In my in my opinion, it's my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, you say what you want. Safe safe flow is carrying him or what? Like I went out there and he won rounds against Floyd Mayweather in boxing. Ridiculous. And it's going to come down to whether or not he can keep. Habib standing without, you know, maybe he'll knock him down, mm -hmm. but I'm just saying standing in not being able to to be tripped or not be able to take down, whatever the case may be, but that's going to be a critical part of the fight, and I think we're going to know that really early, because Habib I don't think that Habib's corner or Habib himself thinks that he can win a stand-up fight. No, no way. Or even land a shot that's going to hurt Connor. And I'm hopeful, being a Connor fan and, and wanting to see him win, I'm I'm hopeful that maybe because of what's led up to this point and the the aggression that's involved in wanting to get back at somebody that was, you know, had a violent act towards you, maybe that will cause Habib to to want to stand and land a shot. Yeah, that's interesting because um, we definitely saw that emotion overcome Jose Aldo. 
and it was critical. It was mm-hmm. a critical mistake by him. Um, but man, that that's it's so out of Khabib's character. It would be so. It would almost be like uh, it almost be like Canelo Triple G, where like oh, Canelo uh, Triple G's like, what is this? You're coming forward? What? Yeah. I, I don't understand. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, that would definitely spin it on its head. But it it feels like you'd be playing right into Connor's right into Connor's game there. Um, if he was able to really emotionally tweak him. And I don't feel like, I don't feel like, as, as much as I love Connor's bleep talking, I don't feel like this is the fight where it's going to have a lot of ramifications. I think this one kind of just really comes down to style versus style. And both of them being fantastic at what they do and whose output's going to matter more. Uh, let me get your thoughts on the co-main event, because I think this is a fascinating co-main event. You know, Anthony Pettis got himself a big-time win last time out uh, against Michael Chiesa. But Tony Ferguson, Tony Ferguson was the interim lightweight champion and had such a horrific injury that came out of nowhere on fight week where he tears up his knee he's back in less than a year's time he's an insane person and i really think that like if, if you were to tell me that connor was taking on anybody on this card it's tony ferguson i'd almost be more worried about me too as far as who who i think really has the path to beating him but this fight against Anthony Pettis, it's it's still him coming off a big injury. Do you have any worries? I mean, it's not the same Anthony Pettis, but do you have any worries that Tony um, won't get the win here, or do you think that he should be he should pretty much cruise and, and be back in the number one contender spot? I think it's going to be a great fight because I don't think there's any quit in Pettis, and we've seen, I guess you would say, somewhat the reincarnation of a guy that that once was. Two, three years ago? Yeah, once thought of as maybe the best pound-for-pound guy on the planet. Yes. So I see some some comeback from him. I don't think it's going to be as easy as as that of Tony just walking through him. I think it's going to be a great fight, especially for the first round or two. And then I believe that Tony will pull it out, more so based on the crazy wrestling and jiu-jitsu tactics that he employees in the ring in yeah the cage with him it's like you would think a guy who comes off that where his knee it tears off the bone um what's that going to be like when he gets into the cage is he going to be favoring it all but i mean he puts up these videos in his garage where he's like doing strange balancing acts like he is a weird cat yeah but he's also he's mentally got to be a little off to, to step in there anyway. It's weird though it's not like it's not even like this weird savagery like that he's got he's almost got like this weird artistic way to violence it's it's strange and like a passion for it kind of yeah like he's got like these weird obstacle courses that he's putting in his garage and he builds them himself he's just he's he's a very fascinating dude he's very weird but also the what what he puts out in that cage is just insane um so yeah I, I, the only question here is what's he going to be like and and how is he going to react to that knee but if he gets this win Let's say it is Connor and Tony. They both get the win here. Ouch. Does does Connor fight him, or is this going to be a case where Connor dips and we get, we get a situation where he's going to try and get the big name against GSP? Poirier's fighting Nate Diaz in a month. We don't know what weight class are they fighting. Did they, they lock it in? They're fighting, but here's oh, the thing: not sure if it'd be the main event. They don't know if they're the main event. They don't have a main event. They Dana. You think that's a main event fight? I don't know what other options that they don't have any yeah. championships. Get McGregor to turn around if he knocks quick Habib out in the first he round. Goes. Yeah, and not, not, he fights both of them a tag team, tag like team cage just match. Get, just let's go, let's go. Just uh, every man for himself, and let's see how this rolls out. Um, 
but yeah, if Tony Ferguson, Tony Ferguson was the interim champ, he only lost it by injury. He's definitely got the record that deserves it. He just, with Connor, you got to wonder about the name value. But if he's on the same, it's on Tony. If he gets this win, he's got to almost do the best job that he can to call out whoever wins that fight because you got to let the people know, hey, I'm the guy. I was the guy. I should have been in that spot that Khabib's in. Khabib's only there because I tore up my knee. Um, you know, so there's got to it's there is a little bit of pressure on Tony to not only win, but there is a little bit of show stoppage that he has to put in there to remind people why you want to see that he's the best 155 fighter on the planet. It's, it's an interesting spot that he's in. There's a, there's a lot of weight that he's got to carry as well. It is, and I think I think he's up for it. And timing is everything. I don't think that they've put him on this card for no reason. Yeah, I think there's anticipation that that Connor will win or you know either way you got the the next challenger of Tony Ferguson because I do believe ultimately he will he will beat Pettis the question is going to be is fan, are fans going to want to see that which I think they will and in addition to that I believe that time is against Tony Ferguson right while he's been a great fighter and he's never, you know, gotten to that point, he he's taken a lot of damage as a as a fighter. He's been through some brawls even before UFC. He always seems to pull something out after yes. taking a lot of punishment. So he's been in he's battle tested, but the problem with being battle tested is you've had to been in a battle a lot of, to yeah. be tested. And the battle takes time it away from you. In the sport. So I think that Tony Ferguson has to get that title shot. He's got to get a victory this weekend, this coming weekend, and he's got to get that title shot pretty quickly within the next year or two, two at the max, in order to to hold it and, and really create some sort of impact for for his legacy. Yeah, the only thing I think there's there's two things that would stand in Tony's way. And they are big. Dana White and Dana, who else? Dana White's obviously a huge one, yeah. but um Dustin versus Nate is a is a really good fight. If Dustin wins, he will also be very deserving, but he's lost to Connor. He lost Look to fighting at 165. That's not confirmed. Okay. That's just what they keep throwing out there. Dana's Dana's shooting it down. It just may be a last minute resort if they want it to be a title fight. Because you can't make an interim title fight if you're having the undisputed title be decided the month beforehand. So we don't know. There's a lot of mystery that's still surrounding that MSG card. It was rumored it was going to be John Jones main eventing. And then Dana's like, no, nah, he's not doing it. So now it seems like John may be fighting in December. Against who? Maybe Gustafson. Ooh. Tough fight. Tough tough fight coming back in. I don't think that he should take a Cormier fight coming right back in either. I think he won't, needs a tune-up fight. I don't think Cormier has given up that Brock Lesnar fight. No. I don't think so. Even with all the spats that they're having on social media. I don't think he's – I think – I think if, if Cormier comes back for one more against John, it'll be in the summer. He'll go against his uh, July fourth, yeah, his retirement at in April rule, and he'll do one more against John Jones, or maybe he'll be Brock Lesnar and he'll be the undisputed right heavyweight champ and keep talking smack. Keep talking smack, you know, whatever you because he's you know what, unless what? he goes and knocks out John Jones, no one's ever gonna care anyway. If he goes in there and loses to John, you already lost to him twice. Yeah, you're now the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Bleep it, whatever. John Jones can make all the jokes that he wants, but at least I got to fight Brock Lesnar and make a ton of cash 
fighting a guy who doesn't fight. There you go. What uh, more can you ask for? Only in America. Only in America. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. It's going to be a fun fight week. McGregor fight weeks always are. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll have full reaction for you guys next week. See you then. What's up, guys? Bonus segment here. Uh, we spent a lot of time on Connor versus Khabib. Obviously, it's the big fight. And, you know, Seema came in, in the midst of the show. It was great to have him back. So uh, let's just give you a couple other news and notes before we get into this. Uh, some other stuff from 229, Derek Lewis, Alexander Volkov. I'm going to pick uh, Derek to get the win there. I always love uh, love what Derek brings to the sport. He's fantastic. Michelle Watterson, Felice Herrick's a really good fight. Um, I'm going to go with the Karate Hottie to get that win. And then the other big one you want to watch out for, uh, Sean O'Malley is going to be the feature fighter on the FS1 preliminary cards against Jose Alberto Quinones. Um I'm going to go with the Sugar Sean to get that win. And then you got uh, Sergio Pettis, Juice Formiga to also on that card. Uh, I'm going to go with Pettis to get that win. The other thing, uh, we had Bellator 206 last night. Um, big thing, Gegard Mousasi beat the holy hell out of Rory McDonald. Second round, very, very vicious TKO in round two. Um, Rory hadn't been beaten like that really since the Robbie Lawler fight. Um and and that fight was very very even. I mean that fight was. I mean, in my opinion, I I think it's the best fight I've ever seen. Really, I mean because of the stakes that were involved, because Robbie Lawler is behind in that fight. I mean, you're hard to press to find me a lot of better fights than that, um, especially championship fights. But Rory suffers a big defeat. That was a tough. You know, we think we really got the eyeball test on that once. We got to weigh-ins, and we're like, man, Rory is just, he's not the same kind of 185 that Gegard is, and, it, you know, that, it it, it came through in this one. Uh, Rampage Jackson beat Vanderlei TKO in the second round. Cool. Good for Rampage getting that win. Uh, not much to say about it. Just good for him. Douglas Lima, uh, he had a big win as he advanced in the welterweight Grand Prix, which now is a million bucks on the line, courtesy of 50 Cent. He had a submission of Andre Korshkov, so good one for Douglas Lima. And the guy I really want to see, the, I mean, honestly, in all honesty, the guy I've, I'm most intrigued with seeing in Bellator is Aaron Pico. Um, he may be the most elite prospect that they have. Him, AJ McKee, um, are fantastic. They're both training in the same place, although Aaron also is a little bit more versatile as he trains with uh, Freddie Roach as well. But fifth fight of his career, he improves to 4-1. and one. He's his string of first round knockouts continues, and this was against a vet and Leandro Higo. Um, and took a couple shots, but really, I mean, dice through him, beat him easily. Aaron Pico looks like uh, he continues to, to show why he had all the hype behind him that he did. And 145s, he's worn it really well, and it's uh, it's really, really interesting. Uh, this 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 thing that Bellator has, um. You know, I gave some my thoughts early on in the show. I think the zone sucks so far. They got a lot of work to do. Um, you know, but we'll roll on that with another day. The uh, the other interesting thing: there's no main event still for UFC 230. We touched on a little bit of this in the main show. And Nate Diaz and Dustin Poirier continue to push for this 165 pound title. Dana White says it's not going to happen. Um, this is what I would say. With this 165-pound title, you you got to move welterweight to 175 if you're gonna do it because you need that gap there. But the the reason this one makes the most sense is because it's kind of in that sweet spot of the best 
two fighting divisions, welterweight and 185. Those two divisions have the most title contenders or most elite guys. And so I do think that that opens up a new area for them. Um, I think it could sustain the best. There's the, We're at a point right now where that legitimately 165 pounds feels like it could it could give you a lot of prospects. There's a lot of guys at 155 pounds and, 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 and really set you up for more in events. You got the ESPN thing coming. So I don't really see a negative for it for the UFC. And, and to me, it's not the same as opening up these, these divisions in the, in the women's division, which I'm, I'm all for. It's great. The women have more divisions. It's just that they're not putting the work in to fill these cards out because the women's divisions are already thin as they are. It's, it's just, it's so much newer than, male mixed martial arts fighting it needs time but these guys are not only in a fruitful division um but they're in a division that's really been established over time and so if you have this little tweener level i think it could be fine um i don't know if the ufc doesn't want to do it because they don't want to seem like they're just doing it because they don't have any other options but I don't think there's anything wrong with them. Just even if you do it as a one-off like for, for one night, I think it's cool to have Dustin and Nate fighting five round, a five round fight. I think it deserves to be a five round fight. Um, and the company doesn't have any other John Jones was the obvious plan and it didn't come through for whatever reason, but this is as good as any, you have Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz is a, a top 10 star in the UFC for his fights with Conor McGregor and, and Dustin's uh, as fan friendly a fighter as it gets. So main event, those guys give them pay-per-view points and let's go, let's go already. It's a good card. You just need a main event. Uh, they've tried with the, the UL stuff. They tried Yoel Gustafson. I would tell you this, what would you rather do? Yoel Gustafson for the interim light heavyweight championship of the world, uh, a belt that's basically hung up by nobody giving anybody credit. If it's not John bones Jones or, Make yourself a new title division with two guys that are as fan friendly as it gets. I would, I would, I think it's a, a fine decision to make. Um, moving on, trying to rapid fire all the stuff because we had a lot of stuff come this week. Deontay Wilder, uh, Tyson Fury is going to be at the Staples Center in Los Angeles. They start a media tour this week. Only thing I will say with that, doing a media tour this week. I hope you do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday because once, uh, hope you do it Monday, Tuesday, do it Monday, Tuesday, and then Thursday because Wednesday I think is the press conference. And Friday's the way in for McGregor Khabib, and you don't want to be swallowed up by the news. So that's that. Um, jumping off, we had Greg Hardy. He improves to 3-0, had a 53-second knockout at Extreme Fight Night uh, over Rasheem Jones. Devastating knockout. Uh, Greg Hardy continues to put together that highlight reel as he marches his way towards the UFC. Um so we got that to go on. And the only thing, look, we know Greg Hardy can knock mother bleepers out. We especially know that he seems to be able to knock regional mother bleepers out. It's just uh, a question about what happens when he gets in there with somebody who's a little bit more well-rounded. But he continues to improve and, and train down here. Um, finally, what do I want to get to here? Okay, a couple things here. Let's knock these out first because they're not as well-known, but they are bummers. WBO middleweight champion Billy Joe Saunders popped on a Vada test for a fat-burning supplement. Uh, he was also fined 100,000 euros for a video in which he was caught offering a clearly a drug addict money 
as a joke. He wasn't seriously doing it. I don't think he was seriously doing it. It seemed like he was having fun, but he was joking around, kind of taunting this drug addict, this crack addict, uh, f- to offer 150 euros for mm, sucking a dude's bleep. And he was. This video came out. It wasn't a good look for it. It was similar to when Khabib got caught, you know, doing making homeless people do push-ups for 20 bucks. You know, not great. Not a great look, especially for a guy uh, of, of his standing. Uh, the bigger thing is the Vada test for him, really, uh, because he was he came out hard against Canelo Alvarez when his test came out. Uh, he's supposed to, I think, have a fight coming up on October 10th. So that's definitely going to be in jeopardy for Billy Joe Saunders. Um, it's not a career ender because, look, we've seen a lot of guys. Hell, Canelo, he just came back and had the biggest pay-per-view in the in boxing of the year so it's not that he won't be okay but it's just it's a bad look the thing with billy joe saunders that helps him out he's a bad guy like if he if he plays this the right way he could make it roll off his back a lot quicker um than if he were to you know make a whole bunch of excuses if he were to own it he like if i were billy joe saunders this is the way i would go i'd be like yeah i did it and what like there's no ramifications for it anymore canelo alvarez did it and so and then just had the biggest pay-per-view. You guys don't care. Like, that's the way you should go. But not everybody pulls the, the car the right way. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, let's get into this. So the UFC, they are reportedly trying to line up John Jones versus Alexander Gustafsson for UFC 232. That's their December card. Jones and Cormier, um, they kind of rekindled their social media beef. And the way this worked out was... DC tweeted out this picture of a missed call from USADA and just having some fun, just like, USADA, stop calling me. Then John took the screen grab and he posted this on Instagram. He says, you mad, bro? USADA keeps calling, but you're not going to pick up the phone because the second you hear them say I'm innocent is the instant the illusion you've created shatters. Then it's all real again. Then you have to step in and willing to take, and that's not a step that you're willing to take. Instead, you wrap yourself in a fake belt Keep telling yourself that the shin slammed into your face and the performance you bear and the and the performance the performance that buried you once again was enhanced. The fact that you can't beat me kills you and it stops you from picking up the phone. If you answer, then the nightmare becomes reality. Then again, maybe you do pick up and accept the truth that you were defeated by a superior fighter and that gives you peace. Or it goes another way and it motivates you to try for a third time and it will save me the hassle of having to dig you up before I bury you. So now that the illusion that you've built is crumbling, quote, violation was not intended, nor could it have enhanced the athlete's performance, you still have to tell yourself something, huh? While there's absolutely no intention to use prohibited substances, it was my intention to kick your ass once again. Mission accomplished. Pick up the phone. Hashtag let's talk about it. Uh, Long ass post. But we get it. So John Jones trying to go DC into another fight. Um... DC, so he gets puts like a gallery pictures of a John Jones mess ups, and he goes, so here we go again, Johnny boy. First off, if you did nothing wrong and were innocent, then you never have to be. Then you would never have to be suspended. You have to stand before these people and arbitrators so many times it's insane. So you slipped up again. How many times can a man slip up? I've been tested seventy times, haven't slipped up once. How do you explain that? And on top of all the cheating you've done around one eighty two and UFC two hundred and UFC two fourteen. That's not even the straw that broke the camel's back. You were actually a snitch. You think that others haven't been offered that deal? 
not only are you a scumbag low enough to take it, which one of your teammates did you go and tell this joke of a punishment to on USADA? I thought there was nothing lower than a cheater, but it's not surprising that you show me a whole new level, a cheater and a snitch. Get off my page, go do some coke and steroids, or whatever you losers do in your spare time. Hashtag double champ. Then John, of course, had to come back with this one. John with a photo of his mugshot. He says, that's the face of the man who'd have you washing his underwear. I run your house. Um, so, all right. Uh, John Jones, DC beefs are always fun because they are real. They hate each other. Okay. They hate each other. We love it. We, we lap it up. Here's what's interesting. All right. The idea that John is clearly trying to get a third fight with Daniel Cormier. When it seems like the UFC has been trying to make a fight with him and Gustafson. And DC is fantastic. He's beaten the brakes off of Gustafson. Well, it was a close fight. He didn't beat the brakes off him, but I thought he beat him soundly. I thought. Um, he's the double champ now. He's the undisputed heavyweight champ. And here's the thing with it. John knows if he comes back and fights Gustafson, his comeback fight will be a big deal. And if they sell it the right way, I think they could do very good business. Um, could John and DC, um, would it be that kind of level of bleep talking? No. I mean, you got Gustafson, who's kind of a mild-mannered Swedish dude. Like, anytime you hear him, even ruffle a little bit. I've talked to a lot of fighters. There's nobody with less personality I've talked to than Gustafson. It's like talking to a wall. Um, so the idea that he has to sell a fight, not great. But the one good thing that you have is you have the idea that this guy pushed John Jones to the brink more than any other man on the planet. And so um, will he be able to do it now that John Jones has been ousted again and caught again and seemingly isn't cheating again, I guess you would say. Um, I think it'd be great. I would, I would actually prefer to see as a fan, I want to see the Gustafson rematch more than he versus John Jones. I'm into seeing John and DC talk. I, I hope that they continue to do that for the rest of their careers. But um, this idea that they're going to talk their way into people caring about that fight the same way, I don't know. I don't know. I think if it was for a different title, if it ends up being for, for DC's heavyweight title, then you got the different sell. Then it's something different. Then it's something fresh. Cool. Let's do it. Um. But what I would do is this. If, if you're John and you're trying to slow play because you don't want to fight Gustafson, okay. I'm not saying John's scared. I'm just saying for business-wise, I think he'd rather fight DC than he would fight Alexander Gustafson. Um, from my standpoint, I look at it like this. DC's put a real hard cap on his retirement at April of 2019. That's when he turns 40. He says he's done. If he fights Dan, uh, Brock Lesnar, I believe he's eligible in January, I think is when he's eligible. So let's say they do the fight in January or February, whatever. Um, I think DC should absolutely rough shot him. I can't imagine that he's going to lose that fight. If he does, Lord help him. Lord help him in a world where DC or Brock Lesnar is the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Um, then I think the matchup is John beats Gustafson. Gus, uh, Gus is his, uh, his all-time rival, uh, most push that he's ever gotten in the octagon before. If he beats him and DC comes off the win of Brock, I think they're both even bigger deals. Um, gives John the opportunity to beat Gustafson and beat him. Like, look, 
If you're John Jones, you claimed you beat him, not training, coked out of your mind. So assuming you'd go this way, training a little bit better, I'm sure you'll still be a little bit of a wild child, but assuming you train a little bit more for this one, prep a little bit more, you obviously have the intel of the first fight. Um, maybe you beat him worse. If you come off that, then you then call Daniel Cormier out and get people buzzing that they want to see that matchup again. And if they set that up for, say, July of the summertime, you know, we're talking that could be a monster, monster pay-per-view yet again. And John would be going for his second belt. Um, would I, I would say if that's going to be the case, if they're going to do that fight, they should probably strip Daniel. If this DC, if this John Jones Gustafson fight, it should be for the undisputed championship. Because look, I don't think DC's going back to 205, man. For what? For who? He's already said he doesn't want to fight Gustafson. Not going to fight Volk. He's beaten everybody there is to beat other than John Jones at 205. And if you're going to sell another fight, you're 0-2 at 205, do it at heavyweight. So have DC fight Brock. Beats Brock. It's going to be the biggest pay-per-view that he's ever been on. Launches him to a different status. Then have him versus John in the summertime. Even if you want to have the fight, have the fight at 206 and say winner takes both belts. I don't care. But I think it's even cooler if it's for the heavyweight title. And if John is to win... Uh, if he is to win that fight, then he's a simultaneous champ. Then you're the GOAT, and you have those two simultaneous championships, and maybe people start forgetting about all the failed drug tests and screw-ups that he's had in his life. Um, but for right now, I think the move is Jones versus Gustafson in, in December, DC versus Brock in January. Hopefully, they both win those fights, and they fight July Puts a hard cap on DC's career. He calls it a wrap. Can't imagine that he's going to be John Jones. Um, yeah, maybe he wins the Brock Lesnar fight and rides off into the sunset. Who knows? I'm just saying. Um, maybe he also pushes it back for three months. You know, that's a hard cap for him. But I mean, hard caps are well, if Dana White offers you a boatload of money and you can retire happily with the accomplishment that you were undisputed heavyweight. First of all. That's never going to be taken away from DC. If John, even if John Jones takes his belt, he beats Steve Miocic, the longest reigning heavyweight champ of all time. Nobody can take DC's greatness away from him, uh, no matter what John says. John's better. So what? DC's amazing. <laughs> like, so that's uh, that's the whole wrap up. That's kind of the whole breakdown of what went down, everybody. So we're out of here. We will talk to you guys same time, same place uh, next week. Fighters Fury, love y'all. Now, with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.